Fight Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And today is Thursday, March 19th, and I figured we would do something, maybe a new addition to the show, and this was kind of suggested by uh, good friend Kyle, uh, and I think what we might do is send out birthday wishes, Whoever, whatever day it is, we'll uh, look up whatever avalanche player on the roster, past or present, celebrating a birthday, and kind of look over uh, their history with the avalanche, and I wanted to do this because I wanted to, to uh, get and put out there people that are maybe not as well known, and it couldn't start with a better better day because March nineteenth is Cameron Gounce's birthday, and I know little to nothing about this man, but he did play for the Avalanche for a little while, and uh, he celebrated a birthday today. So we are going to get into Cameron Gounce, and it's a, it, how about this for a dynamic? Maybe some uh, player that not many people have heard of to the uh, you know the the player that is. You know, when you think of Colorado Avalanche, you think of this man, Joe Sackick. We'll talk about Joe Sackick. And yesterday I played the Peter Forsberg clip from the NHL 100. I'll do the same thing with Joe Sackick. Uh, we'll get into the poll question that closed, which was the Lady Bing Award, and talk about the new poll that is up for today. And there's a uh, Bowen Byram article in The Athletic, which I thought was good, but I also thought it was concerning. And we'll talk about that as well. Before we get into any of that, like we always do, follow the show on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram, search for Locked On Avalanche. And send comments, questions, concerns, emails, opinions, if you want to be on the Fandom Friday segment, to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com or get a hold of me through any one of those social media avenues. So not to kind of beat this horse of the coronavirus, but it has come out that the a uh, NHL player, the first NHL player, has tested positive. This was pretty much just it was going to happen sooner or later. Player on the Ottawa Senators, I do not believe they have released his name as of now. I know they didn't release it earlier in the day as of me recording this. I don't believe that they have announced it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, it was inevitable and it's touched basketball. It has touched baseball, at least in the minor leagues with the New York Yankees. I don't know if a professional baseball player has been touched by this yet. Uh, and obviously said so basketball and hockey, and it's just going down the line. So we'll see. There's no, no avalanche players, obviously as, as of yet. So hopefully Maybe the coronavirus will say, you know what? You guys have been injured enough. I'm just going to skip your entire roster. That would be nice if it had a mind of its own and did that. So, but yeah, we we move on from that. So the poll from yesterday was the Lady Bing Award. And the uh, the players up for the award were pretty much anybody. You can always, you know, like I said, you, you can vote on the entire roster. But I had put up uh, Kale McCarr, Valentuskin, Sam Gerard, and Pierre-Edward Belmar. And running away was Kale McCarr with this thing. Uh, let me look up the 
exact percentages, but it was kind of funny because somebody posted in the comments saying, and where is it? In 20 years, it will be called the Kale McCart Award, a Kale McCart Award. And, and he had 59% of the vote, Val Nachuskin with seven, and Sam Girard and Belmar tied at 17%. So, yeah, I mean, Kale McCart, even though he's a defender, and he is not afraid to hit you, uh, he plays the game the right way. And I don't know if it's just that that boyish look of his, those like Santa Claus red cheeks of his. <laughs> he just has the look of like, I'm, I'm just enjoying playing this game. I'm not out to hurt anybody or kill anybody. Uh, I, I just want to show my skill and I don't need to, to be a headhunter to do that. So I figured it would go in this direction. It pretty much easily went in the, the direction of Kale McCarr. And I would say every year if I put this up, unless somebody comes in new, I don't, or, or you know, like a free agent or a, a new signing or a new draft pick, um, I think who made that comment, and that was David Nola who made that comment. Uh, I think he's right. I think at least for the Avalanche, I think it'll turn into the Kale McCarr Award because he'll win this year in and year out. So that maybe we'll do it anyway. See how many uh, uh, streak he can get of winning this award for Avalanche players. Because uh, I have a feeling for the duration of his career on the Colorado Avalanche, you probably could hand this award to him year after year. For tomorrow, uh, it's a pretty simple one. And it is the Vesna Trophy. And we pretty much had, well, you know, you could throw a couple of the guys who stepped up uh, at some point in the season. Um, who was that? Uh, Adam Werner, who who had his, his shutout. I would put, and we'll do this later on too, like moments of the season, best moments of the season. Adam Werner's shutout was absolutely up there, but I can't put him on this list. Let's get real. It's between Pavel Francouz and Philip Grubauer. I feel I have a inkling on where this is headed as well, but we'll see. Pablo Francois, Philip Grubauer, who is your Avalanche Vesna Trophy winner? All right, so we're going to take a uh, quick little break. When we get back, we are going to talk about the birthday boy, Mr. Cameron Downs, and who exactly is he? In the duck zone. Down the penalty box, it wants taking on Spiezer. After that hit, Cameron Bonts. Well, he scored his first NHL goal earlier this season. Now he's got his first NHL fight. Well, I'll tell you, the Cameron Bonts' stock amongst his teammates just went right through the roof. Somebody takes a run at Hey Dude. Well, Spiezer, I mean, he plays hard, he plays solid, but this is a real hard hit. He comes high on Hey Dude. And God stepped out of the box. He wasn't one second out of the box. And he comes after Spiezer. All right. So is, is it Gaunce? Is it Gounce? Uh, I, I, I keep going back and forth. I found this really quick clip of uh, how this guy pronounces it. Cameron Gaunce. Cameron Gaunce. <laughs> and I just had to throw this in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was looking up. Cameron Gauntz, and I, I wanted to know how to pronounce his name, uh, and I found that 
eight second clip and that guy's YouTube page is literally nothing but him mispronouncing hockey players names, including Wayne Gretzky. It's absolutely hysterical. Uh, and when I found that, I think I was laughing for a solid half hour and I just said, I have to put that in the show somehow. So, uh, anyway, Cameron Gauntz, I know I'm going to mispronounce that a million times because now all I'm thinking is how that guy pronounced it, which I know is wrong. Anyway, he was born March 19th, 1990, and he was drafted by the Colorado Avalanche in the 2008 draft, 50th overall. His uh, career stats, well, let me, first of all, that audio that you heard, like I said, any video that I find on him, he's just fighting. So that clip was against Anaheim, um, and he had just come out of the box and I think it was Spaza that he he was fighting, correct? And the the check that he gave was nothing, nothing bad. It was a solid check. The 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 player that I think it was Hayduke that he hit wasn't injured, and Gauntz had come right out of the box, and it happened right in front of him, right as soon as he was leaving the penalty box. And maybe it was his way, like the the announcer said, maybe it was his way of wanting to get in the good graces of his teammates, but. Uh, he went right after Spaza, and uh, yeah, they, they they threw down. Now, in that game specifically, he played a total of ice time, 6 minutes and 56 seconds, and had 9 minutes of penalties in that game. Uh, one for roughing, the 5-minute major for fighting, and then later in the game, uh, actually in the second period, for cross-checking. So... Uh, it, you want more Cameron Gaunt's fighting? It's asking you shall receive. It's it on the wing, and now Matt Duchesne, the Halliburton native, getting it ahead at center. High hit there by Thomas Sarek and a dandy. And struggling to get to the bench. Young is Jones. Mark All over. Yeah. And now Thomas Sarek is in a fight. Cameron Gaunt says jump into defend his teammate but what a hit that was from commissary and Gantz is sitting on the red line you see him there being or i'm sorry not Gantz, but to over but an open ice hit by mike commissary has ratcheted up the intensity level here Gantz is cut as well guys open ice hit with his shoulder. Now the only question here, is this a good hockey play or is that a blindside hit to the head? And that is an interesting gray area there. Well, it, it is definitely shoulder and chest. Shoulder and head, it's shoulder and head. But I mean, that, that to me is the gray area of that play. All right, so that fight was absolutely warranted by by Gaunts. <laughs> uh, Commissarek, if, if you watch the video, completely just takes out Mark Oliver. And in a hit that today would get him suspended. And if you hear the announcers, they're, they're clearly homers for uh, Tampa Bay. Not Tampa Bay, Toronto. Um, the the because the the guy at the end saying it's clearly shoulder to chest, it clearly is not. 
And I applaud Cameron Gaunt's for uh, throwing down the gloves on that one. So it seemed like he was a fighter. He didn't last very long in Colorado. Like I said, he was drafted in the 2008 draft. He didn't make it to Colorado's roster in 2000, until 2010, 2011. Played 11 games total for them. Scored one goal. He was a minus three, plus or minus 16 penalty minutes in those 11 games. And like I had uh, told everybody, nine of them came in one game. Uh, But he only lasted 11 games, and then he didn't play again until 2013-2014 with Dallas. And then went to Pittsburgh in 2016-2017. And he's currently with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he is on the Syracuse Crunch, I believe they're called. Crunch, or I think they're the Crunch. Uh, So he's still... In the league, and he's still fighting tooth and nail to get back up into the bigs, and maybe he will someday. Uh, but regardless, today is his birthday, and he has turned the big 3-0. So happy birthday to Cameron Gauntz. Thank you for donning the burgundy and blue, even if it was only for a short amount of time, but once an avalanche, always an avalanche. Happy birthday, Cameron. And as we move from the relatively unknown Cameron Gauntz, not to any fault of his own, we move to the one that everybody knows. It's Joe Sackick. And Joe Sackick is pretty much the Colorado Avalanche's Wayne Gretzky. Uh, he needs no introdu- introduction. He, you know, not even for Avalanche fans, just across the NHL. So uh, I, I thought, like I said yesterday, I played the Peter Forsberg NHL 100 video and we'll throw on the Joe Sackick one right now. And he like, if you're an avalanche fan, don't you kind of have to own a Joe Sackick Jersey? It's like, you know, he's, he's, he, like I said, he's the Wayne Gretzky, but if you want to keep it in the Colorado sports world, he's the John Elway of the avalanche. It's pretty much, you have to own a Jersey of his or something of his, and it's just awesome to see a guy like him, like John Elway, is now kind of like running the show and doing a very good job at it. And a lot of times that these players, when they hang it up, they want to stick around and do something with the team. And I get that. Or get into the the booth and do and call games, which some are just not that good at. Uh, but he went the route of wanting to do a GM, be a GM. And... I think he's done a fantastic job at it, and it's not an easy thing to do. You have to be—you can't just t- pick up that job on your name. You got to know numbers. You got to know how to 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 interact with players. You have to know salary cap uh, figures and how things work. And you need to be thinking one, two, three years down the road. You need to do scouting. And even though you have scouts out there, you have to put the guys in place where you trust them and you trust the information that they're giving back to you when draft time comes. It's it's a tall order being a GM. And I think maybe some guys try to get into it, even coaching, uh, because they're good at the game. Some think they, they can just translate into a coach. Doesn't always work. Uh, he never went that route. He went straight into a GM route eventually. And he, he's been, you know, it, it's just a, a, his second career. His career on the ice was 
incredible. And his uh, career so far in in the front office has been off to a, a really, really good start. And he won those Stanley Cups on the ice, and you know he wants to win more wearing a suit. Um, and, and if things are progressing the way that they are, uh, it really there's really no reason why it shouldn't happen. So and he and he cares about his players, and it shows at the trade deadline. He cares about the guys that he drafts, and he trusts in them. And he's not just going to give up on them because they're maybe you know in a funk or a little bit sluggish or whatever the case may be. He drafted you, or he signed you for a reason, and he saw something in you, and he is going to work with you and give you every single opportunity to make it big. Um, so he just seems like a really good GM to play for. And on top of that, you get to say you're playing for Joe Sackick. So here's the uh, NHL 1-800 Joe Sackick. Here's the video. Joe was the quiet leader, never wanted to be in the limelight, but always was because he was simply one of the best players in the game. Joe Sackick made his NHL debut in 1988 with the Quebec Nordiques. I mean, it's a dream come true to play, to play in the National Hockey League, and you really learn that what you can control is how you prepare for the game and what you bring to the table for the team. There's Sackick with a shot, he scores! Named captain in 1992, Sackick had three of the six 100-point seasons in his career before the franchise relocated to Denver for the 1995-96 season. When we came to Colorado, we had a really young, really talented team. Wearing the C for a blossoming team, Sackick led the Avalanche to the Stanley Cup in that inaugural season in Colorado and was awarded the Conn Smythe Trophy after topping all playoff performers in goals and points. Oh, it was incredible. It was definitely a dream come true just to hold the cup and realize that you achieved your, your dream. The 2000-2001 season was a memorable one for Sackick. Colorado won a second Stanley Cup, and he captured the Hart, Lindsay, and Lady Bing trophies after scoring a career-high 54 goals and totaling 118 points. If there was one year that nothing went wrong, it was that year. I knew how good he was. I played against him, but playing with somebody, you, you see how they prepare their work ethic and their dedication and passion. Joe was second to none. There weren't many players that were that good that the other team knew they had to shut down. I don't know of anyone that attacked the offensive blue line in the tops of the circles with the puck, with the same level of intensity, speed, and vigor as Joe did. He knew the net was the end point. The amazing thing about Sakic was as a leader, as a player, you couldn't read his intensity. You saw it when he fired the puck. Sackick right and he scores! What a shot by Joe Sackick! Sackick scored 625 goals in his NHL career, thanks in large part to one of the most lethal wrist shots the game has ever seen. I didn't even think about the wrist shot. I was just playing hockey. And as the years went on, you have more time to get on the ice and practice. And what do we do as players? We shoot pucks while we're horsing around. So I'd have a coach or somebody just pass pucks. And all I was trying to do is see how quick I can get it off. And I think the, the repetition helped for sure. He would beat goaltenders from spots where you just think there's no chance. He could snap a shot in the wink of an eye and it'd be in the back of the net before anybody knew he'd even taken a shot. I can't tell you how many times I've seen him score from just inside the blue line on a little snapshot. He got it off and he got it off quick. He got it off accurate. What he looked at, he could hit. 
You know, usually guys have their favorite shot, their second favorite. Joe would shoot everywhere, one of the best shots ever. Sackick retired after 20 seasons with 1,641 points, a total which ranks ninth in NHL history. I always really appreciated the way he played the game, envied the way he could shoot a puck and skate, shoot it in stride. And for me, one, one of my favorite players um, and guys I admired throughout his career. He was driven. He worked hard, not only every game, but every day in practice, every day in the offseason. He was a prototypical pro. If you said you want your son to be like somebody, Joe was one of those guys that you'd look at. Joe Sackick truly was the quiet superstar of the NHL. Thank you. Yeah, so again, I, I love playing these things, but I hate playing them because you miss watching like there, there's a couple wrist shots in there that are just like, man, lightning quick. And it's that quiet confidence in him that really he would just like lull you to sleep. And he just has that way about him that you think he's not intense and he's probably the most intense person on the ice. He's almost like remember Bill Romanowski, love him or hate him. He just had like when he did interviews, he was just so calm and quiet and low key. And then when you put a helmet on him, he just turned into like a, a, a maniac. Uh, and, and that was Joe Sackick. Maybe not the, the mania. He didn't wear it on his face uh, like football players do, but he, uh, he really went after it. So I don't know. I like playing those things and I, I, like, I like thinking about the good old days of the Joe Sackicks and the Peter Forsberg. So. We'll do another one tomorrow. They have a Patrick Wall one. I think we'll put that one up tomorrow. So what I wanted to talk today, we're kind of going back and forth between old school and new school. And uh, for for more of the new school guys, Bowen Byram, there's an article in The Athletic right now. It's a really good article if you su- subscribe to The Athletic. I highly recommend it. I think they do really good reporting. Uh, there's an article on there from Ryan Clark, who covers the Avalanche, talking about... about uh, Bowen Byram and how he's really turned it on in the the later part of his season and there but there is some concerning things in this article and uh, I'll just get right into it he he was struggling he he started with the avalanche in the preseason he had the outside shot if he played well to make the team right off the bat it didn't pan out that way and that affected him and I think sometimes we forget these are 17 18 year old kids who, when they don't, I mean, you got drafted, and that is that is the highlight of at that point in time of your career, and then you are flying on cloud nine, and then when you get into preseason, maybe you don't perform well, and you get sent down. It's not necessarily saying like we don't believe in you. It's just you need some seasoning, and that's fine. He took it hard, and in reading some of his quotes, he he basically just came out and said at the start of the year, I was not having fun playing hockey. That's a little concerning because I think for him, you had Nathan McKinnon, you had Miko Rantanen, you had Gabe Landeskog, and then you had Kale McCarr the year before come into the league and pretty much tear it up right off the bat. And I think he was hoping he could be the next in line. And when he wasn't, it seemed like he took that hard. And there's some quotes in here. Uh, that he, 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 here's one. I think the biggest thing for me is I am enjoying playing hockey again. I'm having 
fun being on the ice and that makes it a lot easier for me. I have tried not to focus too much on the game at hand. I just tried to enjoy it all and work hard and learn from what I am told about my mistakes and learn positives can come from uh, learn positives can come from it. That's good. But if you read the article, the reason not only like the, it seemed like everything was piling on him. He didn't make the Avalanche roster. He wasn't playing well in the beginning because of that. The team that he had was a team that was younger than him, so they kind of revamped the team to kind of uh, mold it around him. And and when you read it, it's just he, you you lose sight of the of his age because of all the things in there. He, he a lot of the stuff that they talk about is why he wasn't playing well. And it just seemed like he, if he's the best on that team, he's got to pick those guys up, and that's a lot to ask for a 17-, 18-year-old. But that's the situation that he's in. He's a, he's a fourth overall pick, number one defender in the draft. A lot is expected of you, even at that age. He even says he put too much pressure on himself coming right out of the gates and, and, and not making that avalanche team. And that's understandable like you always have to keep in mind the age of this kid so my concern is not where is his head at and my concern is not his skill it's when things aren't going well if his team isn't playing well and th- and they weren't the, his, not the avalanche because he's not in the preseason the team he went to was not playing well so if you're not playing well he's not having fun sure you're not having fun if your team is losing but you can still play well, even if your team is not performing well in, in, in the win, wins and loss column. And I I just took out of this, I think he's in a good state of mind right now. He is still learning. But what I took out of this is if he's not, if his team is not playing well, does he just not step up his game either? So that is definitely something I'm going to watch. I think he obviously can and will, and that's part of the learning experience. But being on a team that you could have been on a winning team in the NHL, playing with guys like Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog and even Cam McCarr uh, to, to not make that team and then go to where you went to play in the WHL and start losing – that's taxing on a, on a teenager. So I, I think he'll come out of it and he has, he clearly has when, when they, when they made some moves to bring in uh, kind of build a team around him mid season, um, it showed in his stats. He's been a man on fire. So I just don't like seeing he's only a man on fire when his team is, is winning. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm not making, if I'm making too much of it, just let me know. But I, I, it was just. I look for keywords in articles and stuff like that, and I found a lot in this article. But all of that, the good thing about it is, all of that is in the past. It's not right now. The article is about how he's come out of it and has been doing insanely well um, over the past couple months, up until they had to suspend the season. Uh, but you are going to have these funks in even in the NHL. And uh, I would just love to see him be that type of player that is consistent, even if the the wins aren't coming on the board for whatever team he's playing on. So I still can't wait for him to get here because he's just going to be incredible on this team. So that's going to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tomorrow we will have – it is a Phantom Friday. 
So uh, we have another fan waiting in the wings. We'll get to that tomorrow. Give you the poll results of the Vesna Trophy. And we are also doing a uh, NHL 20. That's tonight, 9 o'clock. Avalanche at Nashville Predators. Simulating that on my PlayStation 4. So check the Twitter feed. I'll put the link up to that uh, the stream. It's on the Locked On Avalanche YouTube page. Um, and hopefully the Avs can get a win. They haven't gotten a win yet since I've been simulating these games. It's getting a little bit ridiculous. So they, lo- they lost all three at home. Maybe they need to go on the road, even in video game land. Maybe it's good for them to get out on the road. So, all right, guys. That'll be it for today. Enjoy the day. Go, Avs, go! Go, Avs, go!